Welcome to Canucks Corner. This is Aaron Lane, and this is a podcast in which I get to tell you all about the Vancouver Canucks. I'll tell you some Canucks news. I'll tell you how the Canucks did in the last week, maybe where they stand in the standings. And then I've picked a specific game to watch and analyze so that I can let you know exactly how the Canucks did in that game. Then I'll take a look at the week to come, give my predictions for where I think that will go, and that's the podcast. So, let's get started. The pregame show. This is the part of the podcast which I get to tell you about the news of the Canucks in the last week, how they did, and where they might sit in the standings, and all that lovely stuff. Well, it's the very first week, and we've got the very first game to talk about, Edmonton and Vancouver. And my prediction for this was that Edmonton would crush us because McDavid's awesome and stuff, and that young team is a really solid young team. But it turned out Vancouver pulls off the 3-2 victory against McDavid as Dorsett and Granlund and Brandon Sutter go ahead and shut his line down. And we do a fairly fine job at putting some pucks in the net. So how about that? I'm wrong. We win the first game of the of the season. That's awesome. It's nice to see. All right. Now, second game, that was Saturday. We had to wait all the way till Tuesday for our second game against the Ottawa Senators. The return of Alex Burrows, which was very nice. Now, we had a 2-1 to one lead in this one, and my prediction was that we were going to win a close game there. And then we gave up the lead, and it was tied 2-2 late in the third, and that actually uh, went on to overtime and the shootouts, where Alex Burrows had a chance to win it for or at least tied, I think, for the uh, Senators, and unfortunately failed to, as Markstrom made a big save off of him. And so, uh, yeah, unfortunately it was another Senator that ended up scoring the the winning goal there, so my prediction was not so good. (laughs) So I'm 0 for 2 to start the year. Well, let's see if... I mean, I can't go 0 for 3. That, That would be bad. And... Coming in to play the Jets, I figured, yeah, the Jets had it over the Canucks, and they would, Lane and crew would uh, would run over us. And they did. That was pretty much the way that went. Now, that is my game of the week, and I get to be the bearer of all those newses. But uh, suffice it to say that I was right on this one, on the one that I covered. And uh, that, that makes me, you know, two losses and one win. And then uh, Calgary is the next game, which reminds me, it is Sunday, October 15th, just the day after the Calgary Flames dispatched the Canucks 5-2 to in a game that had a lot of people talking. Had a lot of people talking for a couple of reasons. One, the Canucks had like a ton of power plays, including significant 5-on-3 time, and managed to score the zero goals, which is pretty rough against, especially against Calgary who you'd expect they could score a couple of goals against, given the man advantage. So Calgary was undisciplined, but the Canucks failed to punish them for it. Another uh, storyline was that Brock Besser got to play his second game, and in this game, he went ahead and scored a goal. But that was only after him being on a couple of those early power plays, and they tried to set him up like Ovechkin on the, as far as the goalie's concerned, the right side of the net. I guess as the Canucks are concerned, the left side of the net. Anyways, on that left side, you know where Stamkos and Ovechkin like to like to set up? Yeah, so they set him up there, trying to pass cross ice to get to him to put it in the net, or to one-time it from the point, 
sometimes, and they could not hit his stick to save their life. I mean, they had to, you know, pass it through players and everything, but still, how many times it ended up in his skates, it ended up bouncing off of him, it ended up a foot out of his reach or whatever, or a foot above the ice, and he had to knock it down first. And So he didn't really get very many clean shots on that, uh, even though he had the puck a few times. And then, I guess, Green was tired of that. And Green went, hey, look, you're not getting goals. We're getting you the puck a whole bunch, so we're going to bench you. And so they benched him for the five-on-three power play, which lasted over a minute. I think minute and 45 or something and everybody kind of went Whoa, would you do that for Coach Green and I didn't hear an answer but the impression I got was probably the Canucks were focusing so much on getting it to Besser that you know, and it wasn't working not because of Besser but because the Canucks can't pass to a stick apparently that he wanted to try something different something more basic which was just get the puck to the point get a couple men in front and take shots from the point which I've got no problem with I'm happy with that. If they can develop that sort of power play, I still think that is a much more viable power play than cycling it in the corner for a minute and a half and then firing it out in front and hoping hoping for somebody to get an empty net goal, which has been what the Sedins have done for so long, but can't do anymore because they just don't quite have that same timing and speed that they used to before to set up those types of situations. So I'm liking the way that they're actually doing this. Anyway, that was the crux of the Calgary game. The Canucks just couldn't get anything going. Mike Smith actually played great in net, and the chats that the Canucks had, he just he shut them down, which was which was good on him. They also had a problem with shooting pucks in. Anytime they shot a puck in, Mike Smith was right there, and he's basically the best puck handling goalie in, in the league. I didn't mean to go very long on this game, but I just I just saw it last night, so it's fresh in my mind. And that may, meant the Canucks had to try to cross the line with the puck more often, and Calgary would just step, stand up at the line and take the puck away. And so it was very hard for the Canucks offense to get any sort of movement that way either so yeah no it was kind of a rough game overall and the Canucks you know obviously tried you know what they could but they couldn't get it done also the other small storyline here was that coach Green sat Jake for Tannen uh, instead decided to put Bermistroff in. And Bermistroff had a good enough game. I mean, he, he went out there and he tried, and he pushed towards the net and that whole thing, and I think he drew at least one penalty. He looked okay out there, but I don't think he had to pull Vertanen to do that. I think Vertanen had a good enough game three, although Coach apparently saw it differently. I heard Coach mention that he just thought that he wanted to see more hustle out of Vertanen, a little bit more, I guess, awareness on the ice and that sort of thing. And so he made Vertanen sit in the box and watch everyone lose a 5-2 game in Calgary, which, well, you know what? I think the the young guys are going to make mistakes. I think the coach is going to make mistakes sometimes too. And I think maybe this was a mistake for the coach. I think he probably should have played Vertanen if he was going to pull someone up for Bermistroff. I would have still chosen Dorsett first. He had an okay game and everything, but when it comes to those types of younger players, somebody like Dorsett, I think, should be the first to step out because he's not going to grow into any star player. Dorsett is the player he's going to be, whereas some of these younger guys, Besser and Vertanen, they're going to develop into much better players if you let them, if you give them time to do so. And so, yeah, you use Dorsett when you have to, I think, because he's going to be a guy who's going to do a decent job most of the time. But when you have a chance to put these younger guys 
guys in, unless they've totally buggered things up, then yeah, you, you put the younger guys in and let them figure it out. And then you've got a guy like Dorsett for depth. So that's what I'd be doing right now. And so I think Coach Green should be focused on is developing the, the couple young players that he actually has on his roster right now. Because let's face it, if he just sticks with the older guys, the more experienced guys, hoping that the experience will bring them victories, you saw it against Calgary. You saw it against Winnipeg. You saw it against Ottawa. It's the team that they have out there, most experienced group of players, is not going to win them a ton of games. So if the most experienced group of players isn't going to win a ton of games, why not start getting in the younger guys to see if they can get more experience at least and start developing their games? I'm going to probably sound like a bit of a broken record this year as a result of that, but anyway, that's where I am with that. Uh, finally, just a couple of notes for Canucks news, um, aside from me being 1-3 in three this week with <laughs> my predictions. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Edler and it's Erickson. Maybe maybe the it's not going to matter whether or not the coach sits yay or nay or one guy or the other guy, Dorsett or whoever. Maybe the Canucks will just keep getting injuries that force him to play other guys. Oh, jeez. So he played Pouliot last night, and he was okay, but of course he made a couple of young guy mistakes, and I believe one led directly to a goal. So I hope Pouliot can really stand up and, and develop as much as some of the other guys. Yeah, it was kind of a, a rough first game for him. I like some of his stuff. I like his puck moving decisions for the most part, his skating, he's a pretty quick kid. So yeah, no, I don't really have a big problem with him right now, but I just I just noticed it last night that he was the one that ended up going in and kind of a rough go but that's okay as long as he's developing i think that's that's a cool plan he'll be one of those young developing kids that i really don't have too much of a problem with so erickson's out it looks like he oh boy he got not cross-checked no he got kind of slew-footed into the goal as he was racing to get to the front of the net to like tip a pass into the open net and just as he was putting on his brakes the calgary flame came in behind him and knocked his skates out just gave him a little push um kind of like from the knees up and once it knocked out his knees he couldn't he couldn't stop and he went flying into the net full force and it looks like he's buggered up his knee who knows how long that's going to be but we do know how long alex edler's going to be out he messed himself up the other night too against winnipeg and he's out for four to six weeks so that's why Pouliot came in, as I said. Oh, boy. So, yeah, two of our experienced people out right away. And let's see, does Vertanen draw straight back in because of this? And do they stick with Pouliot or or not? And then who else do they pull up? I guess we'll find out. But that's the news for the week and the wrap-up of how the week went. Surprising, I'd say, not the worst week that could have happened. We did have that big win at the beginning and two close games before that 5-2 five, five game against Calgary last night. And even in that score it was very close for most of the game and then as we started pushing in the third period they had a couple of lucky opportunities that they managed to score on so five to two but a closer game than that suggested in any case there we go on to the game against winnipeg game time this is the part of the podcast where i get to focus on a specific game that the canucks played in the last week or so and tell you all about it so this one was on october 12th 2017. It is the Vancouver Canucks versus the Winnipeg Jets at Rogers Arena. This was the debut game this year for Brock Besser, and it was Markstrom and Nett versus Hellebuck on the other side. Brock Besser, interestingly, has been wearing number six 
and I'll have you know that I'm a very interested person in Canucks numbers. And so number six, it's interesting that not many forwards have worn that number and not many Canucks overall from my memory. And so, yeah, a handful of defensemen and that's about it. Even the smaller Canucks forwards, that sort of thing, usually stopped at number seven. Gary Lupel, for example, of course, Cliff Ronning and Brendan Morrison. But then, yeah, six and below were basically all all numbers held by defensemen, as far as I recall. This, so this might be the first Canuck forward to wear number six on a regular basis. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. You can... Uh, you can check that and get back to me on my Gmail and see whether or not that is indeed the case. So CanucksCornerPod at gmail.com and let me know whether or not Brock Besser is the first Canuck. I'm just going through my head now. I think he might be wearing number six as a forward. All right, anyway, let's get to the first period. Vanek catches my attention first with a quick shot after a face-off. Apparently it's a planned play that they uh, they practice. And so uh, that results in no goal, but an interesting little piece that Winnipeg now has to pay attention to. Uh, Vertanen, who was in this game, had a good hit against uh, against one of the Flames on the boards in his own zone. So he did some back-checking. He nailed a guy pretty good. And um, I believe that turned the puck over and got us going the other way. So we definitely want to see that happening more often with Vertanen. Uh, and speaking of checking, Besser gets in the game early as he checks lane, or line A, in the jet zone and causes a bit of a kerfuffle and maybe even a Canucks chance. Marcus Granlin thereafter draws a penalty when he chips it by the defenseman I believe and then tries to get past him on the boards and the guy just reaches out and grabs him and slows him down and there's your interference but on the power play Gagne on the point gives up the puck at the point and that leads to a chance and here we start running into the problem of carrying the puck over the blue line and this happened again in the Calgary game and when the other team stands up you've got to figure out how to shoot it in and here's I'm just going to say this once or try to say it once the plan is this when you get the puck across the blue line if you shoot the puck in you already should have players skating hard towards the blue line so they can beat the defenseman or at least meet the defenseman at the puck If you don't have that, then you're just shooting it in for their goaltender to stop and to turn over the puck, or their defenseman to get to first and then make a quick pass and turn over the puck. And this is what happened a lot with the shoot-ins. So the Canucks went, no, we're going to go ahead and we're going to carry the puck over. And then, well, what happened? Well, nothing, because the Canucks kept on getting turned back. So you've got to have a nice change of pace there. You've got to be able to shoot it in sometimes and carry it in other times when they're expecting you to shoot it in. Or to, to, to shoot it in when they, you're expect, they're expecting you to carry it in. So that's something you have to mix up as a team, and you have to be ready to do both. If you're carrying it in, the guy should be there close to the line to dipsy-doodle a bit to pop the puck off the boards and whatever along the side and make a couple of short passes and get into the zone. If you're going deep, then you got to have guys already on the go. So yeah, they didn't do that. And so that caused some problem with the power play. We get uh, Sedin's uh, power play shot from the middle point, And I notice finally the Canucks 
have now made an attempt to clog up the center of the ice, the the slot in front of the net with players, and then take the shot from the middle of the blue line sort of thing, right? So I call it the middle point, but basically what I mean is at the blue line, kind of in between the points, right? So that will give a better angle for the for the defenseman to take the shot or the person back there to take the shot if it's like Gagne for example and then you've got deflections and you've got rebounds and you've got a lot of chance screenshots a lot of chance for goal scoring and this is how tons of goals were scored in the 80s with power plays Tim Kerr for example in the Philadelphia Flyers made a living standing in front of the net and just blocking out the goaltender and then shoveling in rebounds or deflecting pucks in it's a standard way of going and the Canucks haven't done that for a long time since they've had the Sedins cycling in the corner. So it's nice to see them getting back to that. All right, that said, and as a result of this sort of new thing, Daniel scores off of a Brock Besser rebound. So Brock gets a nice shot off of the scramble in front, and Daniel goes ahead and puts it home, and we got a power play goal. So it was also a nice play by uh, in the corner by Vanek to get the puck out of the corner, to get it across to Besser, and... Besser gets it to the goal, and Daniel scores on the rebound. So, great start. one nothing. Vancouver Canucks. All right. A little bit later, Besser overextends. He pinches and causes the Jets to have a chance going back the other way. That's just one thing that both Jake and Brock are going to have to learn, is when to pinch and when to pull back. And, of course, at this point in their career, we're not going to feel too badly if they're feeling a little bit offensively aggressive out there. But it is something that they're going to have to learn. Then we have uh, Barchi breaks his stick and the Canucks have a couple of opportunities to get the puck out but it fails to they fail to and then Morrissey scores off of Delgado's uh, Delgado uh, Delzado's skate I, I don't imagine that's going to be the first time I screw that one up. So Delzado was trying to take the man he came out in a sort of way, awkward way to sort of block it and sort of just get in his face. And Morrissey just took the shot and it bounced off his stick or his skate and completely fooled Markstrom. We thought the puck was going across the net, but instead it went into it. And yeah, 1-1. So that's a bummer. And then I noticed this. I noticed a couple of times the Canucks had the play in Winnipeg's corner with a man behind the net and another man on the other side of the net, a little bit closer to the board right? So it's kind of a Sedine play where you have, like it wasn't the Sedines, but it's their type of play where you pass it back and forth between the guy behind the net and the guy in the close corner and then you fire it across when you have a chance to the other guy on the other side like Besser, who takes a shot at a presumably open or half-open net and he has a really good chance to get a goal. The downside of this was noticed immediately as the Canucks tried to do this a couple of times, as the puck goes diagonally from the corner out across the net it is now heading backwards towards the Canucks zone so if the guy on the other side of the net the Canuck on the other side of the net does not get the pass it goes past him hits the boards and bounces out towards the Canucks end which means the couple of Jets that are playing high in that in that situation just paying attention to any Canucks defense that might be coming in they now have a chance to turn this around and go ahead and take the puck with three Canucks deep and maybe make a two-on-two or a three-on-two or whatever. So it really assists the other team, if you screw this up, in a transition. So 
it's a dangerous play, and I'm not sure the Canucks get that right now. Or maybe they got it after this game, because it happened a couple of times and I noticed it. Uh, so watch out for the Canucks making that sort of play, resulting in, like, especially if the defensemen do come in and pinch at that at that moment, and then that puck bounces off the boards into the center of the ice, where a Winnipeg Jet, the opposing player, may be, then they 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 could potentially take it all the way down the ice for a breakaway. So... Yeah, do do watch that one. Be careful for that one. Anyways, uh, I did give give Gagne some some props for getting a good shot off of a rush. So he's still in the game. He's still giving it giving it a go. Hutton, good old Benny Hutton, there had a good check off to put the puck back in the zone. So so to get the puck uh, back in the zone, he you know and laid laid a good hit and got the puck going. So that's nice. Hutton had a nice little play there. I did notice in the first period here the Canucks were playing strong. They had been criticized for playing weak, and at this point they were actually mo- moving and skating pretty good and winning some battles. So I was pretty happy with this in the first period. There's also a good rush of the the zone by uh, Stetcher. He had a good good go with it and. Uh, really, I think it was in this this game or the next game. He's had this this chance, and I think it was in Calgary's game where he took it from all the way from our zone and went in and actually had a shot on net. So yeah, I'm hoping Stetcher continues to look for those opportunities and and take them when he can. Besser from the rush takes a shot and then it gets the shot gets blocked. I'm I put a hmm there as in I think I was wondering whether or not he should have taken the shot at that point. That maybe knowing that that guy was in front of him he could have waited that little second more to take the shot or maybe just went around him or whatever and changed the play. But again, that's that's something you learn. So at that point, it's 1-1 in the first period and we just come to the last couple minutes of it. Markstrom makes a nice glove save in the last 30 seconds as he's coming across the crease to make, uh, make a play there. And finally, the last note for the first period was that um, I noticed that Besser made that pinch a little bit earlier, that he went aggressively towards the puck when he should have backed off a bit, and that a couple of more times in that period he was taking more aggressive lines towards the puck when it was clear perhaps that the puck was going to get passed past him and that he would be caught deep or deeper and not be able to help out defensively. So again, just a just a little reminder, Brock doing great in that offense when the when your puck's on your stick and even finding those empty areas so that the puck can get on your stick. So offensively great, maybe a little bit too aggressive at this point. We'll be able to dial him back a little bit, I think. But no, I'm I'm happy that he's <laughs> he's one of the few Canucks that are really becoming an offensive threat. So that's so you know if he has to learn the defensive side over time, that's fine. All right, second period. Dorset takes a tripping penalty in the offensive zone. Kind of a lame sort of penalty. Penalty, his stick kind of just spun around and hit the guy and he tripped over a stick, that sort of thing. And the Canucks made a good kill out of that. Killed that one just fine. So this is the second period. The Jets had a slashing penalty. Canucks, uh, I wasn't as impressed with this power play. They did get three shots, but mm, they weren't great shots. They weren't great opportunities. So it was clear that Canucks are still working out this, how to become effective on these power plays. There are a couple of notes about this power play as I saw a lot of passes into skates and a lot of shots missing the net. And that, that lasted the whole game, the shots missing the net. And the passing in the skates really came again in the Calgary game where a lot of the passes to Brock Besser went into his skates. And yeah, it, it's it's one of those things if you see the Edmonton Oilers from the 80s playing or the Pittsburgh Penguins from the early 90s, the Detroit Red Wings from the early 2000s, the Detroit Blackhawks, Detroit Blackhawks, that's a good one, <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks in the, the early teens, late aughts. In other words, really successful teams find players who can pass tape to tape. It is a basic, basic hockey skill. And yet, even NHLers have this terrible, terrible time passing 
in situations to get it from tape to tape. And part of the reason for this, of course, is other NHLers know that that's what they're trying to do. So they get their stick in the way, they body position in ways to stop stick-to-stick passing, tape-to-tape passing as much as possible. So yeah, it's a lot harder. But the good teams figure it out and the good players figure it out and sometimes that is simply the difference between winning and losing because when you have the 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 puck on the stick at the time that it's critical to shoot at the net when you have that opening then that's when you'll get a higher percentage of goals but if you're busy kicking the puck to your stick if you're busy knocking it down out of the air or it's on its side and you're busy putting it down and flat before you take the shot or reaching for it and then pulling it back and taking the shot we're talking about split seconds here and unless it's tape to tape you're not necessarily going to have that moment where you've got the maximum amount of open net available to you and take that shot and it's likely to go in so yeah it's it's a skill that the Canucks really need to work on and it was clear in this last game and maybe has something to do with the fact that they spent those games in China and didn't really have a normal preseason maybe I'm yeah it's a bit of a stretch but who knows in other words maybe they can work it out a little bit in the next few games and be okay from there but we'll see that's something they have to deal with uh next note I have Besser tipping it just wide I have Dorsett with strength on the puck off the boards getting in front and taking a shot and this is this is just something that I have to say I've I'll I'll say it tons, I guess, you know. Dorsett is a solid player because he does things like this. Because he's hard on the puck, he fights, and it's hard to take him out of the lineup because he's like this. Because he shows the young guys how to fight hard on the puck, how to stay on the puck, and what to do with it, more or less, when you get it after fighting for it. Now that said, after he's shown the players, he can then take his spot in the press box and allow the players to practice it themselves and see if they can get it done themselves. And then if there's an injury or whatever, he can step in. I think that's more Dorsett's role at this point, is being that veteran player who's going to help out the young guys learn how to play tough on the puck. But it doesn't have to be in every game. All right, well, that leads us into the second period. Goal from my boy Lane. (laughs) I'm going to take credit for this. Line A gets the pass from Little... I believe it was. Delzato, unfortunately, was in front and screening Markstrom. And so Lane just fired it towards one of those empty spots in the net and managed to put it in. It's now 2-1. to one. I feel a little bit vindicated, at, you know, pumping up my namesake for the game, hoping that my prediction wouldn't come true and we'd still be able to come back at that point. We then get a power play. Wheeler... Uh, hooks Horvat in the Canuck zone against the boards, and it was just it was good work by Bo just to uh, put himself in that position to get hooked. Then he sets Besser up at the point, Vanix in front, and he gets another shot. Horvat after that gets an A plus chance in the middle slot. Yeah, the puck just came out to him, and he was just right in the middle of the slot, maybe. 15 feet out and he just let her rip and Hellebuck just made the save because he was there and it hit him and so good for Hellebuck I guess but it was a good good shot by by Horvat so that uh so a power play where we're getting shots and getting chances fantastic that's exactly what I'm looking for but then Tyler Myers comes in shorthanded on two and one because Tanev got caught at the blue line again pinched in when he shouldn't have and there he went the other way. There's uh, another another one for the Trade Tanev crew. Hashtag Trade Tanev, as he's responsible ultimately for that two on one that turns into that shorthanded goal. And so it is three to one. That was late in the second period. So three to one. Going into the third period, Edler had been injured, I believe, in that second period, and I have a note that he's still not playing in the third, which was a bad thing, 
obviously, that indicated that an injury was probably the reason why. There were two penalties back-to-back, one after the other, and then they ended up four-on-four. Tanev tried to make up for his mistake in the previous period and took a shot that was a pretty good scoring opportunity, but unfortunately the the sharpshooter misses the net on his his much harder shot that he's having now that he's worked on his hard shot. Anyway, while he was, last year he was talking about his offensive prowess, you know, this sort of thing. Which I hope, you know, while he's with the Canucks, that he shows a tremendous offensive prowess. Because that'd be great, having extra offense from the blue line. Anyway, Sutter, just after that, ends up weak on a puck and having the puck taken away. And it actually turns into a odd man rush, I believe. Gabranson had a good shot on net and hits our post. Oh, and in fact hits the corner of the bar and the the crossbar in the post. So that was a very close chance to make it three to two, but it's still three to one. Soon after, Bo draws a tripping penalty, so another penalty. Bo Horat is still one of our best players, clearly, by cutting with the puck towards the net, which again, the more he does, the more I think, this is exactly the player I want this guy to be, because that's what happens a lot. Either they take a penalty, or you get a good chance to score, and that is a great combination of things. So another power play. Horvat and crew have a good power play. They get some shots in. Everything's looking pretty good. They got good movement. The goalie's just making saves and not giving up any rebounds, which has something to do with the shot, more to do with the goalie's positioning and the fact that the defensemen are clearing the sticks out from the front of the net so that there's not a lot of not a lot of potential for deflections. Anyway, the Jets continue to ice the puck throughout this game, and the Canucks just can't make them pay for it. They can't win a puck, win a faceoff, and get the puck in the net or close to it. And then, as if the gods themselves came down and tapped him on the shoulder, Chris Tanev gets himself a goal to make it 3-2. to two. Gagne got him the puck. So both Gagne and Tanev, who neither one had a perfect game, both of them defensively were a little bit not so great, had made some mistakes, but they had a really good shift, and Tanev got that goal to make it 3-2, to two, and that felt really good. A little bit later, Markstrom makes a great glove save with 4.30 left in the period off of Kulikov. He just teed it up on a one-timer, and that was pretty sweet. And then we noticed that Brock Besser was in late in the game, so that was nice to see that the coach had Besser on his mind there. Delzato can't keep the puck in as they're pressuring Winnipeg's side of the ice, and then as a result, Ellers comes in and he scores uh, in the empty net to make it 4-2. to two. So basically... That was a four to, or a three to two game with an empty net goal, and the Jets win a close game just like I thought they might. So that's it for the special game. Now we're going to take a look at the Canucks' week to come. The post game show. Welcome to the part of the podcast in which I take a look at what the Canucks will be doing in the next week and my predictions for that week. Well, the Canucks go on a road trip. They've got Tuesday in Ottawa. They've got Thursday in Boston. They've got Friday in Buffalo. And they have Sunday in Detroit. Hmm. Well, in years past, that would mean terrible things. It would mean the Canucks stand a good chance of going 0 for 4 for the week, and it is going to be rough. And then there was those years where the Canucks were doing really well, and a road trip like that was like, oh, well, we should, I mean, we'll beat Buffalo for sure, Ottawa for sure, we'll run up hard against the Bruins, maybe beat them, and maybe have a rough time against Detroit, and we'll see how it goes. So what type of year is it this year? Well, we've started off one in three. 
which coincidentally is exactly what I've started off in my predictions. So I'm expecting another one in three week. I'm expecting the Canucks to come back from their loss, their close loss against Ottawa at home, and to turn it around to get a close win in Ottawa on the road. I expect them to go into Boston, and Boston's not doing awesome off the off the hop. They're actually just two and two, but I expect them to get their act together and knock out Vancouver maybe by two goals there, maybe three to one. And then of course seeing the Sabres on Friday, Thursday, Friday, we're probably going to have a switch of goaltenders there. Maybe uh, Nielsen will step in in one of those games. In fact, Nielsen will probably be in for the Ottawa game. And then back to Markstrom for the Boston game. And Markstrom might even play back-to-back if he has that rest going into the weekend. So that's possible. Or depending on how he plays, maybe Nielsen for the Friday game against the Sabres. Sabres are 0-4-1 right now. So that one's a toss-up. You know what? Since it's a toss-up, I'm going to give it to Brock Besser and Bo Horvat. I think those guys will go in, score a couple of goals, we'll shut down the Sabres, and we'll get a win there. So I'm actually giving the Canucks two wins. Two wins this week. (laughs) I gave them two wins last week, but they didn't comply. So we'll give them a better shot this time. And then they run into Detroit on Sunday. Oh, the, the win over the Sabres. Yeah, I could see them actually getting it offensively together and maybe winning like four to one. I think they'll they'll probably have one of those games against the Sabres. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. And then Vancouver and Detroit. Again, Detroit isn't the powerhouse they used to be, but they've started off pretty well at 4-1. and one, And I think they will easily handle the Canucks much in the same way Calgary did. And 3 nothing, perhaps, is what I would expect out of that game. If we get even a goal, even if we get a goal in that game, I think it's uh, going to be a bit of a victory. So, there it is. I think we can actually win two of these suckers going through here. The Ottawa game and the Buffalo game. And even the Boston game I'm looking at, and I'm thinking, well, if we get them up on the off day, then maybe we'll be able to put them away too. But it'll have to be a good day for us and an off day for them. And I'll tell you this. If we beat Boston on Thursday, we're going to lose to Buffalo on, on Friday. That we will not be able to take both of those games. We'll either be too happy that we beat Boston and be off of our game on Friday against Buffalo, or it'll be a loss against Boston and we'll tighten down and we'll beat the Sabres on, on the next day on Friday, October 20th. So that is that. And I don't know which of these games are going to be the game that I'm going to pay uh, attention to as far as the next podcast goes. But it should be one of those. If it's not, then something has happened and I've been unable to put these things together in time. And uh, yeah, that will happen every once in a while. But it's looking good so far. The season's starting well. And we will see you next week at some point to talk about this next week in Canucks Hockey. So until then, keep your stick on the ice. This has been Aaron Lane for the Canucks Corner Podcast. If you would like to find me, I'm Canucks Corner on Facebook, at Canucks underscore Corner on Twitter, or email me at Canucks Corner Pod, that's Canucks Corner Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.